It seems to me that everyone today, times, you have said something like, I'm too busy. I don't know where all the time goes. This week has simply flown by. I haven't had a moment to spare. Because time is so basic and unchangeable, it's the most precious commodity that we have. We cannot slow it down. We cannot make more of it. We cannot buy it or trade it for something else. And as a result, how we use the time that we do have is really, it has a problem. None of us have enough time. Just think for a moment, how many times important? I think it's fair to say that the modern lifestyle is pretty ruthless. Researchers tell us that our working hours have increased and so have our stress levels. Apparently 60% of successful professionals say they are suffering from chronic stress or depression. But this problem is not just for the city elite, it affects everyone, including us here on Isla. And a large part of the reason for this is the explosion in recent decades of digital devices. Computers, mobile phones, emails, they were all supposed to make our lives easier, but all they have done is increase the pace of work rather than diminish it. With device in hand, we now work while we are traveling. We work from home in the evening and at weekends, and our bosses can get hold of us wherever we are. All the time that technology is supposed to have saved us is eroded by the increased expectation placed upon us for productivity. Did you know the average person now gets two and a half hours less sleep per night than a hundred years ago? And the average American works four more weeks a year than they did in 1979. And with this technological innovation leading us to do more and more work, the knock-on effect has been that we now try to do all of our out-of-work activities faster be it household chores, exercise, shopping, hobbies, communication with families and friends, even the care of our own children, we try to do it at breakneck speed, filling every gap left in our busy schedule. And scientists now tell us that all of this ceaseless rushing about is having a serious physical effect upon us. In fact, it's making us sick. Our bodies are screaming out at us, slow down, take a break. But to our peril, we keep ignoring them. We are in the grips of what psychologist Paul Tournier calls universal fatigue. In other words, we are constantly weary. Even when we wake up, our first thought of the day is, it can't be morning already, I'm still tired. And in the middle of such pressure on our time, we have to reevaluate our priorities so we can better order our lives. For if we don't live by good priorities, we're just going to keep stumbling from one pressure to the next one. And this is where the fourth commandment comes in. God speaks directly to us on how to order our time. 
One day in seven, we need to take a holy day when we do not work. For the sake of our health, our sanity, our families, our relationships, our spirituality, our society, we all need to have a Sabbath. In Exodus 20, God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Sabbath literally means cease. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested, he ceased on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now the Bible tells us that God is the creator of all things. And that means that he designed and made each one of us. And therefore God knows how we best work. And the Bible also says that God made us in his image. He made us to be like him. Now on the seventh day of creation, God stopped his work and he rested. And that means that this rhythm of work and rest, labor and leisure is literally written in our DNA. Quite simply, to refuse to cooperate with God's laws for our body's proper maintenance will lead us all to running an increased risk of malfunction. I really hope that I can get this across early and clearly. The Sabbath is God's good gift to us. It is not a burden. It is a blessing. It is designed to help us live the best lives possible. Remember, God gave his people Israel the Ten Commandments just after he had rescued them from slavery in Egypt. And these commandments were given to them to help them make the most of their newfound freedom. Slaves do not get the chance to have a day off. Free people do. Rest is a good and precious thing. Sabbath is a good and precious thing. Indeed, the only reason that God made this a commandment rather than just a piece of good advice is because he knows just how much we as humans will want to keep working. When God commands us to take a Sabbath, he is commanding us to do something that is truly life-giving. Now, it's important at this point for me to give a little background to Sabbath observance, just to help avoid misunderstanding further down the line. I want to give a very brief history of how God's people have kept this day of rest. In the Old Testament, the commandment to take a Sabbath initially applied to the seventh day of the week, our Saturday. And to this day, Jews still observe the Sabbath on a Saturday. In fact, to the Jews, the Sabbath is one of the most important features of their faith. And as such, they've added many other rules and traditions to help protect and ring-fence it. In the Jewish faith, there are rules such as you cannot sew on a button on the Sabbath. You cannot light a fire or prepare food or walk more than 3,000 feet from your home. And these rules began as an attempt to help people keep this commandment. But sadly, they started to drift off 
into a crushing form of legalism. By Jesus' day, there were 1,521 rules on how to preserve the Sabbath. What was supposed to have been a day of blessing had been turned into a day of dread. A wearisome 24-hour obstacle course where the people didn't ever really knew whether they were keeping it properly or not. In the New Testament, people even tried to stop Jesus healing people on the Sabbath by appealing to these rules. And this greatly angered Jesus. He was furious on how God's good gift had been distorted by human beings. And in Mark 2, 27, Jesus spoke these really important words. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Do you see a day of rest that had supposed to be good news for all human beings had been turned into a curse. Now after the resurrection of Jesus, something remarkable happened. Most of the first century Christians were Jewish. And therefore they kept the old Sabbath with all of its rules. But very soon they started to worship God on the Sunday. The first day of the week. The resurrection and the arrival of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday were such a world-changing event, they changed the day for praising God. And what this means is that the Jewish Christians would have a Sabbath rest on the Saturday, and then they would meet together for worship on Sunday morning before they joined the rest of the community in going off to work. Or they might go off to work on a Sunday morning, and then join for worship on a Sunday evening when their shift had ended. Do you see, Saturday was the Sabbath, Sunday was a normal work day, and the believers fellowshiped outside of their work hours. And this is how it was for the first three centuries of the early church. And it didn't change until the year 321 AD, when Constantine, the first great Christian uh, emperor of the Roman Empire, decreed that Sunday was to be an official public holiday, a day when work was forbidden. And it's only since then that Sundays have become this normal day for Christian rest and worship. Now, this slightly complicated history has left the church with a wide range of views on how to keep the Sabbath today. On one extreme, you've got some Christians who believe that all of the Old Testament rules about the Sabbath should be transferred to our Sunday. And thereby, Sunday is to be a solemn day for rest and devotion. There shouldn't be activities like reading novels or kicking a football around with your friends in the afternoon. On the other extreme, you've got Christians who believe that Christ made all of the rules about Sabbath keeping obsolete. Just as we don't continue to follow the Jewish laws about what food we can eat or what clothes we can wear. And therefore, these Christians believe that Sunday is different to a Jewish Sabbath. We're to go to worship, yes, to keep the day holy, 
But then we can read a novel. We can have a kick around in the park with our mates in the afternoon. Now I think there's something clearly to be said for both sides. One group are trying to honour the holiness of God. The other are trying to take seriously the freedom from the law that Jesus won for us and Paul talks about so clearly in the New Testament. Now what I suggest, and what I'm going to suggest for the rest of this sermon, is that we learn from both and we take the middle ground. For a Christian, all those extra Sabbath rules are dead. Even Jesus himself criticised them. But the principle definitely remains. We are to observe the Sabbath each day, each week, by enjoying God's day of rest. For most of us, we will take our Sabbath on a Sunday. We'll come to worship, and then we'll spend the rest of the day resting with family and friends. For some of us, we will have to work on a Sunday. We live in a non-Christian world, after all, a world very different from the Old and New Testaments. And if that's us, it means that we'll have to make space for worship at a different time. Either coming to church before our Sunday shift or after our Sunday shift in the evening or joining the Bible study in the midweek. But we will definitely need to allocate another 24 hours for rest. We should try, if we can, to make that the same 24 hours each week because that makes it easier to keep. But if our working shifts don't allow that, we should try and take the day when we can. As you can see, Sabbath now will be different for all of us. But I hope that we can see the vital principles that we have to hold on to. We need time to worship God. We need time to plug into him and let him recharge us. And we must have time for rest. We have to inject these two things into our weekly rhythm if we want to stay healthy and live as God's free people. But Jesus' instruction is the guidance. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So we've talked about our need for rest and we've talked about the history of God's day of rest. I want us now to really celebrate the benefits of rest. And there are five that I briefly want to mention. The first is that regular rest brings considerable benefits to our physical and mental health. The truth is that workaholism is fatal. Heart disease, hypertension, depression, they are all killers. In Japan, karoshi, or death from overwork, is the second biggest killer in the country. It takes the lives of 10% of all men in Japan. We need to relax our body to rest our strained eyes and limbs. And if we do have a day off each week, it actually helps us to be more effective on the other six. Just working on is always counterproductive in the long run. Secondly, rest helps us to reflect. It enables us to assess what we are doing. If we're continuously working, it prevents us from standing back and seeing the bigger picture and getting things in perspective. We can miss the childhood of our children, 
for instance. We can miss out on all sorts of new opportunities. And indeed, our best ideas, our creativity, our inspiration come from periods of rest. As Christians, we're more likely to hear God in a place of rest. Thirdly, a weekly Sabbath helps us to enthrone God as king of our lives. By taking a rest, we deliberately remove work from the centre of our hearts. We, we prevent it from being the central reason for our existence. In Genesis 1, as we heard with the children, God created the world in six days and it was all very good. But then God stopped in order to enjoy his world, to enjoy the people that he had made. The ultimate reason that we exist as human beings is not to work, it's to enjoy God and to live in relationship with him. Added to that, taking a rest also reminds us of our human limitations. You know, in the grand scheme of things, we are not indispensable. If I was not here, this church would just go on. And so would all your workplaces, without you. When we are constantly working, we kid ourselves that everything depends on us. That we're essential. We're the cog that holds everything together. And of course, we get a massive ego trip out of that. But deliberately resting once a week states, we are not indispensable. Only God is. And in much the same way, rest also teaches us to trust in God's daily provision. You may be listening to this thinking, oh, it's all right for Andrew to say all this about rest, but I'm not sure I'd survive if I stopped working. How am I going to provide for my family if I don't take that extra shift? The Bible says that we're not to worry in this way because God promises to provide our daily bread. When God's people were in the wilderness, about the same time that he gave them the Ten Commandments, the Lord sent manna from heaven to feed them. And the manna came down each day apart from the Sabbath. Now if the people tried to keep their manna for more than one day throughout the week, the manna always went mouldy. However, on the day before the Sabbath, they were allowed to collect twice the amount and God ensured that on that one day it wouldn't go mouldy. It was all an exercise in trust. God was teaching the people to depend on his love for them rather than themselves. And when we take a day of rest each week, we are doing the same. My daily survival does not depend on me. It depends on God. He is the one enthroned in my life. Fourth, taking a rest each week helps us to bring justice into the world. Did you hear the instructions that God gave with his commandment? Listen again. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. On the Sabbath, God's people were to ensure that everyone in the land got a rest, as well as them. And that included children, it included servants, it included livestock, 
It included migrant foreigners, those who, of course, no one else would think of apart from God. In God's kingdom, everyone is entitled to rest. Creation itself is entitled to rest. And we see the problems that breaking this causes today. Overwork leads to overconsumption. It leads to the issues of modern day slavery. It leads to climate disaster. We are to rest one day every week. And we are to champion rest for everyone else in the land as well. This is to act justly. Finally, to take a complete day of rest is a witness to the onlooking community. Quite simply, living in a rhythm of six days work, one day's rest, and sticking to it is deeply countercultural. If we are employed, we will have to explain this to our boss. It will make us stand out. And therefore, it will lead people to ask us the question as to why we structure our lives in this way. And then we have the opportunity to tell them about God. The God who loves his people so much, he gave them a day of rest every week. A day that anticipates for us what our eternal future will be like. Glory will be a place of fulfillment and peace and joy and rest. So taking a weekly Sabbath has some very important benefits to us. It improves our physical and mental health. It helps us to reflect and hear God in our life. It enthrones God in our hearts. It brings justice into the world and it enables us to form a witness to our local community. I hope by now we're getting a little bit excited about having a Sabbath ourselves in our life. It's a very good thing. So this brings me on to the closing part of this sermon. We've seen the need for rest. We've heard about the benefits of rest. So let's think about some guidelines about how we might practically bring rest into our busy lives today. First of all, if we're going to have a Sabbath, if we want to keep this fourth commandment, we're really going to have to guard it. Paradoxically, we're going to have to work hard at keeping a day of rest. We will need to be disciplined. We will need to be practical. We may need to turn our phones off. We may need to refuse to check our emails. We may need to do extra housework the day before. If we're news addicts, we may need to refuse to watch the news for 24 hours. We may need to let other people know when our day of rest is so they don't disturb us. In the Bible, Jesus even went to the extent of climbing mountains to find rest and solitude. We may need to make resolutions just as firm. Secondly, we need to make sure that what we do on the Sabbath is aimed at refreshment. We have to force ourselves to do things that are non-stressful. Gardening might not be your day job, but if you hate it, don't do it on the Sabbath. Equally, if you love it, do it. If you're trying to get fit, remember that all good training regimes include a day off. One day without a run or a cycle is actually good for you. 
I made a big mistake last year. I used up my Sabbath with Gaelic lessons. Gaelic is not work, but it's challenging and it's tiring. And this academic year, I'm taking my Sabbath on a different day to my Gaelic. People like me are as committed to their hobbies and sports as they are to their work. And we need to be refreshed from them as well. Let the Sabbath be a day for good food and enjoying creation and music and film and creativity. And of course, most importantly, prayer and worship. If we're getting Sabbath right, it should be the day we look forward to more than any other in the week. If we're getting Sabbath right, we should literally count down the hours until it begins again. Third, we should enjoy Sabbath by enjoying other people. In life, the most important things, they're not objects, they are people. And people are always what get pushed out when we work too hard. So let's use our weekly Sabbath to spend time with those we love. Not brief, fleeting moments, but quality time. You know, Jewish people, they gather their whole family together and have a special meal every Sabbath day. On a Sabbath, we can visit our elderly parents. We can play with our children like we don't get time to in the rest of the week. We can make love to our spouse. This is what Sabbath is for. And finally, and of course, most importantly, Sabbath is the day that we enjoy God. God's day of rest is a day to worship. It's not the only day to pray and praise, but the Sabbath rest should give us time to focus on God and to reprioritize our lives in light of him. Most of us will take Sunday as our Sabbath. So we come to church, we give God the first part of our week, we gather to listen to his word and to pray and to praise and to break bread with our family. And all of these things spiritually nourish us. They, we need them. We are to remember that the Sabbath is holy. It is sacred time. It doesn't belong to industry. It doesn't belong to the government. It belongs to God. And we mustn't let the busyness of our world erode our relationship with God. By keeping Sabbath, we make space for him in our hearts. After all, if we don't do that on a Sunday, when are we going to do it? So to conclude, the fourth commandment is to remember the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not a dry and wearisome ritual. It should liberate and rejuvenate us. For one day a week, we rest we remind ourselves that we are dispensable to this world and to the work that we do, but we are not to our families and to God. To keep the Sabbath is to enthrone God as king of our lives. We may think we're too busy for a Sabbath, but in truth, the time to relax is when we have no time to relax. Let's use our time well for our own benefit but also to show the world that God is Lord of all.